This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Hello. Hello. Oh, that was like an echo. And also, I was really short and quick. I, don't know what happened. I quite liked it though. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. No! Um, so, yes, welcome to another episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today uh, we were trying to come up with a topic uh, just the three of us uh, we're shortly gonna have some guests back as well which we were ex- really excited about but uh, for today it is just the three of us um, and because of the world is is going a little bit mad at the moment um we thought we'd start off with a question and then see where it goes so that question i'm going to pose to niall which is how interesting are interest rates <laughs> well, i switched <laughs> and at this point, uh, if you f- feel free to switch <laughs> off to another channel uh, or continue to listen for some heartfelt uh, feelings on how interesting interest rates are from Mr. Scott. Uh, um, yes, they're very interesting, Matthew. Thank you for the question. Next. Oh, honestly, that's exactly how I feel. Like, you know what, want- I, I think it is more of people's reactions to the interest rates that's more interesting than the interest rates themselves. People well, speak, are, speak, speak for yourself. My interest rates are going up, so um, I'm getting less money in my pocket. Yeah, but your your savings will go up as well. Yes. You'll be getting more interest on your savings. Okay, interesting. Oh, forget! Oh my God, you loser! Can't you said that? <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Even even though we we as property investors and developers, we've had it quite good for quite a long time. Interest rates have been so low, and yes, they're they are creeping up, and it is making things a little bit more difficult. But you know, it it will. It's not it's not going to last forever. It it's... will balance itself out. It will settle down. So the general consensus that I've been hearing from a lot of people, especially from um networking and being at the HMO Awards last week and speaking to professionals in the market. Just don't don't panic. People are panicking. Um, but it's not going to change anything. So just relax, wait and see what's going to happen, and um, make educated decisions. Wow. And informed decisions. Informed, that's what I was trying to say, but educated came out. But yes. Oh, so, so Joe, Joe, question to you: Are interest rates interesting, or how no, interest rates? No, no, they're boring, but they are impacting. I mean, it's not, you know, we can't just sit there and go, "Oh, it's fine." You know, I don't mind lower cash flow. I'm, I'm so happy about it. You know, it's great, especially as I'm mid refinance at the moment. So again, I've really felt it because they've retracted on stuff, and oh, it's just so annoying. So there's that. There's the cash flow element of it. But then there's also the angel element of it as well, because when base rates go up, then your what you pay your investors has to reflect that. It's got to be relative to that. You have to kind of be able to beat the bank. And so there's that implication as well. I've had a few people turn around and say, well, you know, um, bank base rates gone up. Can you? And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, you were, you, you were doing very well before. Now you're yeah. just doing well. Yeah, you're just doing all right. 
You didn't reduce it when the when the bank, when the base rate dropped before. So that, that's that's a fair now? point. That's a fair point, actually. So, like, I feel it's still obviously higher than base rate, you know. See, and and what they would well, it's going to be higher than base rate, but it's got it's higher than ICES. So there's still legitimate case for saying no, you stay at the same rate. However it's still the faff of having to deal with the questions being asked you know the fact that it's even yeah. raised the topic in the first place is just another thing that you have to deal with and yeah fair play why wouldn't you everyone looking to get a, a higher you return know what? it but... hasn't it hasn't come up at all with any no. of our investors and even conversations with new investors it has not come up um and people are still happy at the rates that we that we have paid historically because they're i don't know i think we just maybe play it down but um, I think we, as he says, Nile says, do we just move forward? We deal with it. Um, at the time of the recording, there are quite a few products that have been pulled from the market because lenders are having that knee-jerk reaction. Uh, it just reminds me of what happened back in March 2020 when there was a knee-jerk reaction to COVID. And the banks just went, whoa, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Let's just stop so we don't get ourselves into any hot water. And they, um, it's not that they haven't got money to lend. They've got loads of money to lend. They're being really bad at lending it at the moment <laughs> because um, uh, they're, they're really inundated by inquiries. There's loads of people wanting to borrow, wanting mm. to you know refinance, wanting to put the you know, mortgages. There's no issue with money. There's just issue with that, that with the, the price that banks borrow their money at. That's the issue at the moment. And that price is very volatile at the moment. So it's very hard for a bank to price a long-term product when the, the you know, they'll probably be pricing it potentially at a loss today, trying to predict what it's going to be in two years' time in order to get your custom. But banks are going to be resilient. They're also going to be um, creative because they're lenders they need to lend if yeah. they don't if they don't lend they're not making any money so um that they, they, they will find ways to create products which are still appealing um and minimize the, the you know, that monthly outgoing which is the key thing so maybe um they may well change extend the terms of loans to make them you know more comfortable for people they may well uh, you, know, um, you know quite a bit more interest only elements of of um, mortgages you know it might give you interest only for two years three years and then go on to repayment so that it gives you a chance just to survive this blip and they can be really creative with how they do it to, to make it appealing for you to then to borrow so i think there are i think there are ways through it and if push comes to shove just avoid the banks entirely mm, yeah there's that's the yeah private finances yeah, I, do you know what it is? I think it's kind of links to both points that you made is that the longer term perspective is really valuable here because like Niall says, it's not going to be forever. And you said it's a blip and it is a blip because the reason they've, they've raised base rate is to slow down inflation, which is just running away with itself. And it's causing all of these issues for cost of living etc so you know trying to slow it down economically makes sense you know you, you, you kind of you got to do what you got to do but it's just how you tread water in the interim while that's happening until things become you know more stable and almost back to something more familiar uh which inevitably will i think but you know it's probably gonna be a couple of years so 
So we say Oof. keep keep calm, carry on. Yeah. Appraise deals, take the bigger picture. Um, yeah. yeah you, you factor in, you know, there were new new HMO mortgages that came out at what? Saying this is what our broker said to me this morning. Um, a particular bank has released rates at seven and a half percent this morning, then closed their phone lines. Wow. Yeah. I mean, long story short, not worth getting an HMO mortgage within the next four weeks. Uh, single lets and bridging still going okay. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I'm going through a refinance of a, of a buy to let at the minute, and although it's it's slow as we as I expected anyway. Um, it's still it's still going through. Yeah, well, I've got those going through at the moment, and they're ugh, you know. But I think tough. with all the with all the types of products that have been pulled from the market, it's generally or in the main high street lenders. The challenger banks and the bigger lenders are still lending, still doing stuff. They are, however, it looks like HMOs are the are the lend are the the products that are being hit because they're already higher interest rates mm. so um i think they've just they've it looks like they're they're pausing those for the moment as obviously that's our wheelhouse so um it just means that you might have to wait a minute to get uh, but I, i'm also waiting for a, a mortgage offer for a valuation that happened eight weeks ago oh god that's worse than me um and they've got a 20 25 working day turnaround for paperwork oh god I we won't, won't name and shame the banks. Oh, I really Bogans. want to because I've got issues. I'm having issues at the moment, and I'm yeah. I just wait until you've had your mortgage first, and then shame them, <laughs> name and shame them. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. 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 But the thing, the thing is that uh, there's naming and shaming, but because banks some are good sometimes, then they're not like, good at other times. But without them, we couldn't do what we do, and therefore, yeah, you have to have a love hate relationship with the bank. Mm -hmm. So you have to love the fact that they can refinance you out and release capital and they can continue to do that forever in all, in all intents and purposes um and yeah you just manage your cash flow so you get you know, cash coming in it means you can increase your return by leveraging so therefore banks are in an inevitable part of doing business they're just a big hurdle that you've got to get over every single time you deal with them unfortunately gone are the days the amazing days which we never knew of which i never experienced of self-certified mortgages that just stopped as soon as we started pretty much didn't it <laughs> yeah it did yeah. it's like oh yeah I, me I remember meeting a meeting an investor once in a networking event in liverpool of all places and uh he said i'm just getting back into property i did it before 2008 he had loads and loads of buy to lets in liverpool and probably some hmos as well and he just said I don't know how you do it because back in the day we used to do we used to purchase it refinance it on the same day 100 percent mortgages didn't need to raise any money literally we just go find a deal buy it and um, we just build the portfolio now he's got loads of equity it's like okay um I, I don't understand how to get back in because i can't do what i used to do it's really really difficult just like well yeah i know <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like yep <laughs> it's like yep but it's worth doing. You just got to take your time with it now. You just got to be, you got to be slow. You got to be measured. You got to be, you got to be, sorry. That's the one. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. You got to be, yeah. Yeah, I think, do you know what? Someone was making a flippant comment at this event I was at recently and they said, oh, 
it's game over for the leveraged landlords. That's that was the comment. And I was like, what does that I, even mean? Is that does that mean that like the landlords are going to go bust because they can't afford to pay their mortgages? Yeah, that was the implication. Like if you don't kind of own your portfolio outright, then these changes mean you're fucked. And I was like, well, that's not strictly true. It, it does mean that there is an impact to your bottom line in the short term, for sure. Like that's that's true, but it's not game over. It was a real kind of sweeping comment. And I, I do think that that is a very mainstream uh, societal and, and media view right now in response to the, the increase in interest rates that, that actually, if you are leveraged or you are using bank finance, that if you're in this game, it's, you know, it's, it, you can't, you can't be in anymore. You're going to have to leave or sell up or, you know, whatever. So how many times have you seen the same I know in the in the media you yeah. know it, it happens every few months yeah my dad sent me an email earlier on and you know classic I mean it's daily mail so therefore it's gospel so obviously we're taking very ah, very the deadly mail yeah um and again it was just you know talking about buy slip mortgages being withdrawn and you know all of this stuff and he's like you know it's all game over the industry Sways of lenders pull buy slip mortgages due to market chaos amid fears they will return with much higher rates and force landlords to hike rents. And, you know, it was just like, oh, my God, like, shoot me now. Just, you know. To be fair, the hiking of rents is something that will happen as a result of this. Of course it will. Of course yeah. that will happen. But the kind of implication that it's game over for the leveraged landlord is the message that's just it scares people you know and, and in our industry where we train budding investors to go out and, and be successful and build portfolios and you know use leverage in the early days to really get themselves like launched that's going to put them off because they're going to be thinking oh well you know I'm just going to have to wait for everything to go back down again and it's just not true it shouldn't be something that stops you getting into the market because as we've said time and time again there is only one time to get into property investing and it is always now. It can't be yesterday and it, it can't, you know, it, it could be tomorrow, but it probably won't be. You can only crack on really in the moment, you know? So yeah. I, I met a guy at an, at the networking event last week and he is actually heavily involved. I'm not going to name any names because he may listen to the podcast. Well, at least I hope he does. Um, uh, heavily involved in uh, with a lending company and doesn't have any uh, rental properties or investment properties yet mm. um but when we broach the subject he's like oh yes within the next 12 to 24 months i'm going to buy something i was like well wh why wait 12 or 24 months why not today well what's wrong with today <laughs> he's like oh well i can't because of x y and z and any number of excuses that came up because of family, because of interest rates, because of whatever, I was like, of, of all people, of all the industries to be in, you're in the best placed industry to find the right products, to find the right lending that suits you. So if you can't do it, how the hell can anybody else do it? Same thing when you go and chat to a an estate agent. Mm. and um so i've often had the conversation with the state agent and they go well if it were me 
I would do X, Y, Z, this, 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 and uh, you flip it and you probably make about 20, 30 grand. I was like, so why aren't you doing this? Doing that? I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have the money or um, blah, blah, blah. maybe it's unethical for me to do it. But I know plenty of estate agents that would that buy properties from instructions um, when they, well, some that do it unethically, but a lot would do it ethically saying we will put in an offer as well and just tell the vendor you know the, the seller we're happy to buy this from you if you if you want to make life easier um so yeah why aren't you doing it it's so true you do get that they're, they're like backseat drivers in the property industry they just sit in the bit of it that doesn't do the investment part they're like the shop window telling the back office what to do and you're like mm. Mm. It don't make no sense. Like, yeah, same is true of accountants and, uh, you know, solicitors and brokers and, and estate agents and even letters. Everybody. The thing is, yeah, the thing is, the savvy ones do. So it's not, a, yeah. I don't think it's actually an industry thing. It's, a, it's obviously a mindset thing. I think it is Agreed. a massive mindset thing, a huge mindset thing. I think by the end of the evening, I think we had badgered the ear off this poor guy. Um, because there was, there was myself and a few other people trying to convince him um, that he probably felt very uh, backed into a wall. <laughs> you all around him when he was in a corner, like, ah, okay, I'll buy something. And you're just like, now. why? Buy property. Why? 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 Yeah. Why? 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 Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. And every excuse he came up with, we had a reason why his excuse was rubbish. So, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it just... Um, it does surprise me sometimes, but it obviously is, like we say, it is the mindset of the person and their belief system. Because I guess at the end of the day, even if they're in that industry, whether that be as an estate agent or a broker or whatever it might be, they are still in a nine to five job mindset for that organization. Yeah. Yeah. And also they're not just because they're estate agents. Um, they are not you know investors it, it it really is they're just the kind of the selling platform and they you know that that's not their area of expertise all they deal with is people who are investing and they basically become the broker between them and the and the deal so yeah they're not seeing it through our eyes therefore they when they advise they really don't know what they're talking about so in yeah. the main obviously strictly true of all of them like but I, I taught an estate agent recently funny enough and she came in and she was oh she was quite irritating actually she was one of those that just wouldn't listen and to be fair she had a really successful business in um she did international real estate so Cape Town specifically was her patch and you know she had made quite a bit of money doing that um but when it came to UK investment you know when bias is there like she just couldn't get her head around the fact that it worked in the UK because it, she knew where it worked for her. She'd found this little niche market. And so the whole kind of, and, and she was very much a, you know, cash buyer, that kind of thing. So really couldn't understand the principles that I was teaching at all. And so it was quite hard. It was quite hard to teach. Mm -hmm. um, but other times when you teach people who are in the industry, like you get the light bulbs going off, they're going, oh my God, like I didn't realize this was the trade secrets almost. So, yeah. Again, it comes down to open-mindedness and how, belligerent they are if you if you challenge someone's beliefs a lot of people will just double down yes. regard, regardless of um the logic so like the world is flat <laughs> yeah you know, 
and you'll have people go, you know, screaming at you there's the, a thousand one reasons why the earth is flat and as soon as you start challenging them they'll find two thousand reasons why the why the uh the world is flat so um yeah it becomes a bit illogical yes, so there's, there's an art in, in persuading people to have a different point of view and probably not cornering them at an awards definitely event. not cornering them at an award <laughs> ceremony that's definitely not the way forward um but i think i think is you just need to learn to speak their language i think that it's the same in anything that you do it's putting it to them in a way that's that understandable to them without making that sound demeaning to anyone you know you just need to speak the language that they speak and make it uh, relevant mm. Yeah, step into their their worldview of it, right? And sort of think, well, what what is it they need to hear in order to understand this to make it to make sense in their world? Because it yeah. it is it is different. Yeah, I'm sure I read a book about that as well. I can't remember what it was called. Um, about learning to communicate with people, um, who are different from you. For example, like my personality would be very different to, I don't know, uh, someone that's very diligent and methodical and detailed. Um, <laughs> tidy. So, uh, <laughs> I am very tidy. <laughs> actually, yeah, you are very tidy. Actually, um, in your home, in my home, just my head's all over the place. <laughs> yes, I, oh God. But so it's just yeah, just learning to speak their language and and uh, makes life easier because otherwise you just start patronizing. It does. I mean, you know me. I'm in the professional speaking game, and like I, again, just to name drop the conference that I've just been to in Ireland for the last five days it's a global speaker summit and the whole thing was about knowing your audience and who you're speaking to and I think the thing is people have people seek out confirmation bias they'll have a set of beliefs and then what they'll do is they'll try and find evidence to support that belief and then when you are coming at it with a different set of information and evidence it, they're either going to go with it or they're going to massively like Matt says double down and resist it and the interest rates are no different because you've got a whole raft of society the media you know spinning loads of stories that no longer can you be in the landlord game because the base rate's gone up and it's just you know an unfeasible business now um and then you've got us who kind of defend the point and say well no longer term perspective tread water for now yes there's impact and they'll be like, no, because that's dangerous, that's risky. So you you really do have to position yourself quite carefully and, and yeah, tr try and speak their language, but also accept that even if you do, they might not want to listen, mm -hmm. right? Because fear might just always get the better of them. Um, yeah, and uh, that's it. And I guess it's it's not for everyone, I guess, because yeah. some people some people just will never be in that frame of mind or maybe just don't want to. You know, the concept or the thought of it, like you say, Joe, maybe it scares the shit out of them. Yeah, because also scares they'll the be the shit. Scares the shit out of you. But they'll be, okay, same people. It's like you've had Brexit and Brexit when that was first announced. So what was that? 2016. And then people got super nervous and they're like, oh, now's not the time. And then they're like, I'll wait for it to blow over and three years pass. And it's still blown over. And in the meantime, COVID blew in and then COVID kind of we got out of it. And then, of course, you've got the, the Ukrainian uh, Russian war. And it was all like, oh, God, shit, you know, that's going to have an impact on trade and all, you know, utilities and everything. And it's all like, OK, well, now's not the time. And oh, shit, now we're in a cost of living crisis. And oh, OK, everything's crazy expensive. So that means, you know, we can't do it all right okay and now we've got other economic factors you know and it's just like it just it's never gonna 
stop. It's just, there's always going to be a reason not to do it. And I think if your attention is focused on all of those external things, like you just won't fucking bother. Although I think just now that you've kind of just reeled off a whole load of stuff, doesn't mm. it feel like they just see that there seems to be so much coming and being compounded and compounded on it does i don't know maybe it's just the feeling right now but it feels like there's a load more stuff happening all at once than there has been previously if i think about investing through seven years eight years it we've never had so many curveballs all happening at once yeah there's a high volume of curveball isn't there at the moment but isn't it's like it's like being it's like being um but yeah you you hit once you have a mm. you, you get a bruise and then someone keeps hitting you on the bruise and then it suddenly becomes <laughs> it gets it just gets a lot worse <laughs> it just keep going and it's your skin yeah and then, then, then you, yeah you start to break the skin and it yeah and it it's that and I, I think becoming resilient for example if you're starting off investing in a market like this where interest rates are quite interesting um it's actually quite difficult because you feel like you're being you, you you're continuously being battered you know with one thing it's another it's like i'm just trying to get going for goodness sake yeah just just let me you know just let me do something and you say we're going to crack me down with this and then we're going to do this and then you know liz trust is going to say this and crazy carla is going to say that and yeah and and then they're going to change their minds on that and then um there's going to be another budget over here and then putin's going to bring out his nukes and then not use them or nuke nuke himself by accident you know which will probably happen you know it's you know it's 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 all this weird and weird and wonderful stuff whereas started seven years ago it was different it was definitely different a different slog but there were none of these uh, external factors i'm not saying that we had it easy by any means because the guy i met in liverpool had easy he probably said it wasn't that easy but you know it maybe it is harder for someone to start right now with everything in terms of the amount of how resilient you have to be as a person to not give up i think there's there's definitely truth in that don't i agree with you 100 but i think back then what was missing was you know more formalized systems um and processes so like education for example it didn't really like it, it wasn't as accessible as it is now and I think irrespective of whether it's property investing or any other business which you know so many people are turning to now as a way to set themselves up financially because either the job's not going to do it or the pension's not going to cut it or whatever the opportunities are still there but it's harder to do it without the right guidance and support because of all of these continuous sort of external factors that are just hammering away and you've got no guidance when you're out there in the wilderness trying to figure that out on your own. So I think the need for what we do as training professionals has never been greater in this hammering market. It's, it is hard. You're right. I mean, that's a fair yeah. point. I think resilience is probably the, the word that stands out, Matt, from, from what you've just said, because it is it has definitely been a compound effect over the past two and a half years of everything that's happened. Um, since, especially since since lockdown i think it is we've nothing has ever properly recovered since then and then everything else is just added on top um but i still think yeah if you're going to be in property you have to be resilient anyway if you're going to be an entrepreneur you have to be resilient um so if you choose not to get into the market today whether it's difficult 
or not, you don't know any different because you've never invested before. So you're just starting off right now. So if it gets better, it's an improvement. If it gets worse, then it becomes more difficult. So, so basically, you know. so basically we're, we're that guy from Liverpool going, yes. yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just the, the game's changed again and we're evolving. And I think you're right, Joe, about there being a hell of a lot more support and more of a, a positive network. In fact, I was chatting to, to somebody just on Friday night on actually literally on the way to bed as we were parting company down the hotel corridor and he was saying you know we need to connect actually the, he actually started by going i know we've not chatted before but you're matt baker you're famous i was like oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you were like yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know who you are leave me peasant <laughs> no 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 he's there he's, he's he's well known in property as well um he said you know we've we've yeah, we've talked stuff, but we need to actually prop down and sit, sit down and talk because yeah, he was basically, basically on how amazing the event was to bring people together because uh, he was talking about policy and how things are changing and that um, like if Labour get in and all of this, you've got, we're going to have to really stick together and and find ways forward. And it, it got a bit deep. He was quite drunk. Um, nice um, guy. <laughs> um, no, it was the guy with the with the uh, with the with the cupcakes on the bus. Oh, the cupcakes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a lovely, yeah. he he's a like lovely guy. Yeah, he's he also like there. That. Yeah. He's so, cupcakes uh, on the bus guy. I like that. <laughs> literally, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was all, it was all about um, yeah, building, you know, building that network. So we do have that network now where I don't think it's existed, for example, in 2008 in the same way. So there's a whole load of people that are going to be, especially the people that are already in it, saying, it's fine. We will find a way through. We are a group of people that are going to survive um it, and even as people that do training it's it's harder to find people that are less nervous but i think there's a lot there's quite a bit of education out there maybe it's because we're in we, we see it a lot but and maybe we need to chat to a few more people to find out what's re really going on but i see that there are still a lot of people that are open-minded to investing and actually take on board the message that a time like this actually there's quite a lot of opportunity um and it's just making sure that when you're saying to people investing is a positive thing that you can do it that uh, now is a really good time to do it as well despite what you're hearing in the media i think there are maybe again i don't know with 100 but maybe there are more people that are receptive to it than they I used think to be more, i think there are way more people that are receptive to it but i think what's what they're being confronted with is this hammering i think that's what yeah. they're kind of, yeah you know so like you've got this sort of weird kind of you know two dynamics being thrown together and I think it it does stop enough people but this is where you know like we say as trainers we we step in and we kind of facilitate that through a bit of knowledge and support I think there's also something to be said of like the resilience point that you made now like I think resilience is probably one of the most important skills you need to be taught now in property because it's not everybody has it or understands it because they've not had to really do it or be it <laughs> um and so when someone enters into something like property investing for the first time they've not experienced like you say they're starting from where they're starting from and if it's on the back foot economically they kind of got to be taught resilience from the jump you know when things go wrong or things change and it means you have to pivot or you know be a bit creative and so I think yeah building in a resilience mindset from the moment people start in this industry through the education system through mentoring programs is really important really yeah. important yeah yeah
yeah. I, 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 and that's an interesting concept. Can you teach resilience? How yes, do you yeah. teach someone to be resilient? Yes, it's a practical skill. Resilience is you hit them once and then you hit them again <laughs> and then you keep hitting them and then you just keep doing it until they get used to it, until they get numb. There you go. I think so, you can. I'm not it. condoning violence, by the way. I think you are. I think that statement means mm. you are. But that aside, I think you can. Okay, so it's a bit like anything. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. There are practical skills that you can put in place to ensure that resilience. There, there, there's a formula. Yeah, are you right? about then, to be, are you about to be informative and educational? I'm risking it, aren't I? I'm you not. Said the words. Keep... There are some practical things you can do. <laughs> that Hi. sentence should never be said on Property Jam. Okay, retract, 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 retract. But there are things you can do. I won't say what they are because that would be informative, and I want to remain irrelevant. So, but I feel like it's whether or not people implement it is another thing because fear again might get the better of them so and again in response to interest rates same thing you know like the fear yeah. of borrowing. i think this is why the the the, the ongoing it's why we do masterminds because it's ongoing touch points it's that you can yeah. do it that constant positive reinforcement that you can go out there and be successful and these are the steps that you need to take this month to be successful if you don't do them and you feel fearful just call me because you need to go and do it because if you do then success is inevitable if you don't then it's not going to happen but um yeah but this also, isn't... If, you're, if you're expecting in property investing a steady state journey then you really shouldn't get into it because it really yeah. is never that even back in the day it was never that because you were always having to do lots of different things do you know i, I saw a guy um at the weekend he was the um co he was the founder of the uh, covent garden soup company and i saw him deliver a talk on a main stage it's fascinating because it took him 18 months just to get a, a, just to prove the concept of soup in a carton and not can like 18 months and he's lost so much money and spent, you know, invested so much and the risk of it, it paid off. And then when he tried and he made, he sold the company, made a shit ton of money. And then when he tried to do the same thing in America, <laughs> it didn't work. And he basically lost nearly like something stupid, like most of the profit that he made out of the Covent Garden suit company. And then it was all like, oh, and he's just like, he said, it should be the same. It should work the same, but he took it to a different market and it didn't work the same. And property's just like that. It's not the same. It, it, depending on what you're doing, where you're operating, what's going on in the market, you've just got to ride that roller coaster. And so at interesting. the moment, yeah, it's an interesting question. Why do we need to have soup out of a carton and not a can? Oh, the answer to that was okay. So part of it was its freshness. So a soup in a can will last for 18 months, but soup in a cart will only last 18 days. So it gave the element of freshness and people liked the fact that it was out of a fridge. You could be, there was a sign of prestige about it as well, because you, most people would not take a, be comfortable taking a can of soup into work for their lunch because it looked crap, but they would be more than happy taking a carton in because it actually looked like it was from a farmer's market or it was locally produced. And so there was that element of it. Also, there's the microwave element of it. You cannot put a can of soup in the microwave, but you can put a carton in the microwave. And then there was the whole kind of carbon footprint, the fact that it was more recyclable, the fact that, um, and people just liked going to the fridge in the supermarket for their soup, as opposed to the aisles. Because, and again, that was a perceived value thing. So they were willing to pay the extra price for it too. And the Americans so, just don't give a shit. And the Americans just, it didn't land for multiple reasons. I mean, it just didn't, it just didn't register. It just didn't. Wow. Um, yeah. So he, uh, 
he lost a lot of money, but then subsequently made it back again when he pivoted to um, something called like Little Meals or something like that. It's something kind of similar, but different. Um, okay, and, and he, hang, hang on a minute. So he launched a brand called Little Meals in America. Like Seems like yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that, I think I think I think we're we're yeah uh, I think yeah. we're veering away from where we need to be um, yeah. today, especially if we're going to wrap up how interesting interest rates are. They're as interesting as a can of Campbell's condensed soup. There you go. That says it all. They are so fucking boring, but you do need to kind of stay abreast of the situation. Indeed. Well, thank you guys for listening. It's been wonderful to have you as part of our uh, you as flying. I kind of think of it as as people what listening to Property Jam are like a fly on the wall. So to, to our conversations, no. That's Post though, calling our yeah, so, so thank you to all the flies out there. No, thank you. Um, I have been Matt Baker. Thanks for listening. I've been Joe Lightfoot, the human battery charger and soup in a in a carton promoter, apparently. And it's a farewell <laughs> from me. <laughs> and I have been Niall Scott, and I have no idea why we're all naming ourselves right now, but <laughs> bye. and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you on, on the next, next episode, episode.